What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod. Another week of giving you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. And this week, Dave and I will be talking about some movies, a television show, and some albums. But Dave, I want to check in with you first. Uh, a, a report dropped shortly before recording that there might be a Master of None season three coming out. What, what do you what do you make of this? Highly skeptical because this re- reporting is from a UK-based website called Chortle and was only picked up by uh, Collider, none of the more reputable Hollywood trade publications. So this is a hardly been sourced, honestly. It's really take it with a grain of salt kind of news. But from what those people are saying, uh, Aziz and Alan Yang were actually trying to get this shot on the down low back in spring 2020 when you know before plans changed of course so uh either way if we were to get a master done season three i feel like everyone who's a fan of the show would be very satisfied no matter what it is what format is just because it's been so long since season two and um it's such a fun show and unique show and uh, i haven't been holding on to hopes that we're going to get it anytime soon so uh, I actually would be kind of surprised if if we did turn out to get it in the near future. Yeah, you know, we've seen uh, a couple of TV shows starting to look at the effects of COVID, right? And uh, John Wilson's uh, How To on yeah. HBO, probably the one that comes to mind as really capturing that moment so distinctly. And uh, obviously, Master of None being a fictional show involves having scripts that are a little bit more written and fleshed out. But it'd be really interesting to see um, someone like Aziz tackle that that transition, that shift from being a more uh, a show about like experiencing the world, you know, especially season uh, two, venturing off to Italy and kind of driving through the countryside, as you can see with Dave's background, him and his friend on the mopeds uh in the countryside it's it's really cool um but to kind of see that that become a little bit more uh like an introverted look at the the effect that covid had could be a really interesting thing you know especially if shooting did actually start um in spring and then had to be halted or or shifted in some way um and aziz seems like the kind of guy to do it especially because aziz has been over the last couple years has become a little bit more um, out of the spotlight after the sexual abuse allegations in 2018 he obviously did the stand-up special in 2019 that we reviewed check that out on uh, youtube.com slash nostalgia pod but i think he might actually be a good person to tackle this and and look at the the pandemic and how it affects people in interesting ways so that, that that could be an interesting thing to come out of it but I, i'm i'm with you i'm a little skeptical on if this is actually happening i would love it to though yeah oh yeah I mean, along those lines, uh, with Aziz having in real life be living in London of late, says that season three would be set in London, and also that Naomi Aki would be joining the cast. Again, don't know how these people know this, so I, I again, <laughs> don't, don't get your hopes up, but maybe in a few weeks we actually get something more substantial, or Netflix even announces something officially. But until we get that, I'm not going to put too much stock into this, but it's the first real buzz of any variety, real or fake, that had any kind of legs to it, I'd say. so. And we know that Netflix did not cancel the show, and they, they had stood by Aziz, and of course they released his special right now. So 
we know Netflix was happy to make season three once he's wanted to make it. And I believe he said he wanted to be at a different stage in his life to make that season. You, you could tell this was a show that was very personal to him. Um, mm-hmm. And even the evolution between the first two seasons, you could tell that he, him and I assume Alan as well would want to continue that kind of feel. So I have to imagine Aziz feels in a different spot now, like many of us do after 2020. So I guess it makes sense. But yeah, let's wait for more news first. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on that. So hit that subscribe if you're watching on YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod or SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Why don't we jump into some music quick here, Dave? And uh, we're going to start with a pro-era rapper that I think we talked about one other time Mm -hmm. um, with his prior album, um, drop. Uh, yep. Looking for the name here. Open Flamey P. Last Thank August. Um, Nick Caution. You know, uh, straight out of Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I mean, wh- wh- where do you stand with Nick Caution? Are you a fan? Well, of course, man. Of course, he had so many great <laughs> moments on the Beast Coast album. Yeah, from 2019. You know, that was really where I was introduced to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had, he had features, of course. You know, I like Joey, Joey songs and all that as a pro era member, but, and you know, the Nick and Knight stuff, but really I feel like the Beast Coast album was where most people got reacquainted with him. Cause he, he was quite young when he started um, as a, as a rapper. So on that, you know, you remember the songs like bones or like these really rapid fire flows. And he, you know, he had kind of a unique delivery within the pro era crew and within Beast Coast. And I thought he definitely uh, made the most of his limited time on that Beast Coast album. No question. And, an open flame last year, um, you know, a brief EP, but still had some good highs, namely a song like Margot Robbie, which just was a classic, you know, dusty ass boom bap song, like a lot of old school Joey was. So uh, always happy to hear more from Nick. And this is his uh, debut album hmm. anywhere, but here at last. Yeah. And did you feel like anywhere, but here um, was one, what you expected to hear from Nick, but then, uh, was at the quality level that you were hoping to hear from him? Yeah, I don't really know if it changed in my, changed my perception of him at all, but I did like it quite a lot. I think there's some uh, new, numerous uh, highlights on this mm-hmm. album, and that that would kind of just be because, he, like like Joey, uh, he has grown past his boom bap traditionalist uh, beginnings and obvious influences, and I think just has a more well rounded sound and approach to making rap. And on some of the best songs, you hear that uh, on anywhere but here. And there's, you know, what, like like a lot of pro era projects, Beast Coast projects, there's choice guests along the way. So yeah, I think I think there's a, there's a number of high of highlights. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Nick just kind of goes to the beat of his own drum, like a lot of these dudes. So he's not trying to chase any trends or, you know. A, <laughs> get any tiktok hits or anything he's just making the music that speaks to him and it's by design not probably not for everyone but uh, you know i I still liked it a lot yeah i I thought this was really solid album i agree i don't think this like changed my perception of like his ceiling or or how i see him as a rapper moving forward um it's actually funny because i think like the first like half the album is kind of reminded me of the jack harlow album but with just better bars in a way, I think yeah, especially just sure. like the sound being more of that, like 
you know, like um, jazzy hip hop sound that's very popular right now. Um, but then about like halfway through, it really starts to pick up for me, you know, and I think especially once you start to get people like um, Denzel Curry jumping on the track, like the energy level just totally like skyrocketed. Um, and I think it, I think the album is helped out a little bit by some of the uh, features in the second half. So I found the second half, I think, to be a little bit more engaging than the first half but although the first half was still a solid listen um i think that denzel curry track bad day was the one that jumped out to me how'd you feel about that one yeah that's great that's also i think it's a, it's a strong denzel curry feature didn't feel mailed in at all um no. when denzel on top of rapping also gives you kind of that like i don't even know how to explain it but it reminds me of like clout cobain his his mm. song like that kind of delivery on that shit's great um and, and also unique because denzel just kind of brings that whatever he's on the track it's just there's just so, something special about him um product of my environment really stood out to me because i think that's one of nick's best performances as like a coming of age storytelling type song you know again competent ass bars about growing up in brooklyn and you have really good guest spots from code of the friend and eric yeah. the architect of flatbush zombies that one stood out to me a lot um and then i mean you got a joy feature on this but I actually also quite liked uh, What You Want with Gashi towards the beginning. And that actually probably had my favorite quotable from Nick. I put a ski mask up and leave you slumped. God. Uh, <laughs> good stuff there. Um, yeah. What, what else stood out to you? Yeah. You know, well, you mentioned um, Product of My Environment, which I agree was one of the stronger tracks. I also really liked Things Could Be Worse um, with CJ Fly and Jake Luttrell. Uh, something about that, that song just really like caught me i think it is like cj fly just brought a lot of energy to that for me um but yeah i i, I think overall I, I left this album being like nick caution is going to be putting out a lot of very solid albums and i i could almost see him having obviously not quite in like the same vein as mac miller but someone who like is putting out a lot of really solid mm -hmm. albums and maybe then takes a little bit of a leap as he gets just more seasoned and might start experimenting more or finding that more authentic sound to him, but right. definitely just a uh, overall really solid artist, I'd say. Yeah. Early on on December 24th, which I think is another good Nick performance. I thought it was notable that the hook is, is farmed out. It's not him. It's uh, LB three on that mm -hmm. one. I'm not in that instance. And, you know, I, I, Nick hasn't like tried to, again, like I said before, he hasn't tried to, like sing and like diversify and become all melodic or anything in that regard but the rest of the sound has evolved so i, I the thing that mac miller compares that actually makes some sense but I, i'm curious how far he would actually take that in terms of genre because mac really did evolve uh, across genres but actually i think my favorite song would be the closer kids that wish mm -hmm. um where that's probably where you get like the most unique or new uh, delivery from nick on that and also i think the message on that song is quite quite good I like the line about t chasing hits on tiktok and stuff and overall this album seems to be influenced a lot by uh the loss of nick's father who was a yeah. big part of his life but i mean even even that's the thing about like a lot of the pro era guys a lot of the beast coast guys like, we talk about so like underachievers it's like they don't have to do anything else to just have like really long uh vivid careers as just new yorkers that have good bars and like there 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 isn't there'll always be an audience for this you know totally yeah it's it, it's impressive what I, I feel like that collective is doing and um 
I'm hoping that we continue to see like a couple of these guys keep rising up. Obviously Joey's the the big name, but you know, CJ fly was great on this. We have Kirk Knight who I think we've, we've liked some of what we've seen from him. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, I think they're an exciting group to keep following for sure. Any last thoughts before we move on? Uh, I like the timing of this, you know, get it out now. You know, there's nothing else to talk about. I, I, I have <laughs> to imagine this would be one of his more listened to projects just by this, that, the fact that he can grab more people's attention, you know? I was going to ask you. It'll get posted by the, more sites and stuff, you know? Is this the album of the year so far? <laughs> uh for me yes you know yeah. uh, january 18th it's my favorite album of 2021 definitely <laughs> so you're, you're telling me that you like it more than zane's nobody is listening yeah i am not a zane guy uh, no oh, you, really? you the thumbs downs <laughs> well i think the last time we talked about him was what with icarus falls did we even review that we I didn't think? it came out like december bad time for us to get new music but um yeah. That I think that that's one of the most interesting things about this new Zane album to me is the meta nature of it. Nobody is listening is the title, and that's a direct reference to Icarus Falls, which was a famous commercial flop. Yeah, probably one of the most notable commercial flops from a mainstream artist in some time. Again, Zane is the the first person to break uh, to break off from One Direction before they went on hiatus as a group, and following up a very successful first solo album Icarus Falls really fought, fell flat you know Ic- Icarus fell he uh got too close to the sun you know and like it, it again very very meta name and I obviously that's not what Zane intended but now you have uh again something that's like really the antithesis of Icarus Falls nobody is listening this there was no promo for this at all it was announced a week week in advance um the, the early singles haven't made a whole lot of noise. And Zane, if you look at literally look at how Zane operates, he is not active on social media all that much. You know, we people just know he's with Gigi Hadid and they just had a child. And like, I didn't actually realize this until I was doing some research, but Zane has never gone on a solo tour. Hmm. Kind of wild to think about. Cause again, he had a lot of early success when he went solo yeah. and it just seems like he's very disinterested in a lot of the what it takes to be a mainstream pop star, and especially after what happened at Chris Falls. So uh, I, I found all that meta stuff kind of interesting because you can tell Zane's approach was different. But um, music-wise, I don't know if there's too much different. So if you're a fan of Zane, you probably still like Nobody Is Listening, but... I don't know if this is going to grab people that weren't super into what he was already doing. Yeah. I I'm, I'm just on his Spotify here and uh, you know, pillow talk is 6 million spins short, but he pretty much has three songs that have 900 million spins yeah. or more. And he has one song with Taylor Swift. I don't want to live forever. Probably the Zane song. I like the most um, that has over a billion spins, which is just, yep the guy does numbers but then he it also has his most recent singles here or the, or the biggest ones off of right this album and they have like 60 million 40 million nothing to really scoff at a lot of artists would die to have that sort of play sure. but that you know comparatively it's just something about this album is not sticking with people or hitting with people as much it seems yeah well now it's thinking about icarus falls you look at that one of those songs you mentioned is from that dust till dawn with sia 945 million streams and yet Again, Icarus Falls like completely flops on the charts and doesn't sell anything. That's including streaming. So it almost like 
seems apparently that song had a extended life and a long tail after the initial flop either way uh here we are with zane just kind of throwing something out and again because he has never solo toured and there there was no announced plans to tour in 2020 either so is he just doing this to, to fulfill his label contract does he care at all because the nature of his music which is really just what stripped down lo-fi r&b he's by far the most r&b of any of the 1d dudes that's 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 obvious but maybe it's just the nature of his delivery to me but i i don't know how invested he is in in being music it's because again like he hates the whole pop apparatus that's pretty obvious yeah yeah listening to this i i pretty much felt like this is uh the type of album i might throw on when i'm at work doing paperwork and i just kind (laughs) of need something fun and, and inoffensive and just poppy but not super engaging in the background and that's kind of how i felt uh zane's vocal performance kind of was throughout this it felt a little bit like listless in a way not necessarily bad but just like the energy and and the enthusiasm just felt uh, a little low throughout this and i would say that there's a couple of songs that stood out i think vibes is a song yeah that I thought was pretty good. I, I actually kind of liked when loves around with Sid, I think just having like him mm-hmm. interplaying off somebody really helps. Um, but I gotta be honest. I, I like the second half of this record around like unfuckwittable windowsill. I, I pretty much started skipping halfway through the songs. I just couldn't do it. I just was yeah. not finding these that, that pleasurable to listen to. Where were you at? Was there anything you liked on this? Yeah, I think vibes is probably the best all around song. Uh, Sweat was kind of funny to me because that that that's where you get your eighties mm-hmm. influence, as we talk about in every major pop release these days. Say, in this instance, it. it was the uh, "In the Air Tonight" mm-hmm. drums, very reminiscent. That I appreciated that. Um, <laughs> I also like seeing Devlin feature mm-hmm. on Windows Windowsill, just because Devlin, not a mainstream rapper, but of course rapper from the UK most famous for the cover of all on the watchtower that we love from uh the young pope yeah. so seeing devlin pop up on a rca records album i'm like oh that's unexpected but yeah. yeah i mean i mean i'm not even like a pillow top guy so like i don't really have a, <laughs> a big like frame of reference for what good zane is but like i think vibes is probably the most listened to if anything that kind of gave me like chris brown vibes honestly but yeah, no- for sure his his energy combined with the production like it, it's by design very minimalist and lo-fi and like smooth and like his falsetto fits in these really like soft ballads but that's just not my my cup of tea usually so uh, i'm definitely curious just to see how this album performs and 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 what happens next for zane as as a pop star because he's been the most prolific of the 1d guy solo by nature of being the first to go solo but i mean it's kind of over in terms of uh mainstream battles because harry has ran away with that not that they want to be compared but uh early on you know when it was like sign of the times harry and pillow talk zane it was more of a conversation it's not a conversation anymore yeah harry styles has now dropped a top 500 album of all time dave so <laughs> i mean the, there's really no oh, competition until zane gets on that list um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think if if you like Zane, you'll probably find more in this to like than we do. It's just if you're not a fan, I, I don't think you're gonna find too much that's gonna wow you on on this record. So 
I'd say it's one you could skip, but um, definitely check out the Nick Caution record and check out WandaVision, which is now on Disney Plus. Uh, the first two episodes dropped this past Friday. Um, obviously, this is Marvel's first step into the television world as Phase Four is kind of starting to kick off a little bit. Uh, we were supposed yeah, sure. to, yeah, we were supposed to have Bla- the Black Widow um, movie at this point. Any others that we missed? Eternals would have yes. was supposed to be last fall as well. That's right. Uh, Swole Kum- Kumail, which is what everybody <laughs> wanted. So. Um, <laughs> You know, it, so going into this, maybe let's start with a little bit of like setting the stage and, and just kind of giving our own perspectives because uh, WandaVision was something that seemed really interesting because it felt like Marvel's going to get weird here, right? It, we know that Vision was a character that actually died at the end of Endgame, was not yeah. brought back. Or, uh, sorry, <laughs> One of the Infinity few. <laughs> War. Yeah, it was not brought back in Endgame. Um, and... It, it seemed like to have this person all of a sudden or this character all of a sudden coming back, there's obviously going to be something like psychedelic or trippy or surreal happening. So that that was really promising. And then we start to get some of the promos and it seems like they're going for like a real wonky sitcom type vibe. Like, um, I don't know, uh, you think about uh, the Brady, Bru- Brady Bunch or yeah. something like that. It's like Dick the- Van Dyke show. There's a lot of clear homages for, through these first two episodes that have both the title yeah. sequences and even the beats i love lucy when, yep. when stuff yeah yep so it, it seemed just really intriguing to see uh after getting these first two episodes i mean i guess where where were you to begin with and where is it leaving you now yeah well i'm actually I'm, I'm definitely happy it's first i think if covid hadn't happened falcon and the winter soldier would have been the first mm-hmm. disney plus mcu show we got but by all accounts that feels like something more familiar as an extension of the Captain America films. We, we I feel like we got a handle on that. This, mm-hmm. as you said, yeah, different flavor at the very least. Um, and like, you know, Vision coming back to life. Obviously, they'll explain it in some way eventually. I, act, I really don't give a shit what the reason is because <laughs> I am happy to see them back because both uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch two of the most un- underserved MCU characters to this point, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, talented performers, uh, didn't really have a whole lot to do throughout most of these films. By Nate, big part of that would be that they don't have any solo films to, to be in. So I'm happy that they're getting this chance. And, you know, I mean, if Elizabeth Olsen's going to be wallowing away on some eight movie, eight, eight picture project, you might as well let her do something cool once in a while. Right. So totally. And by all accounts, this will be tying into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in some way. Because again, the Wanda's powers are still nebulous on the MCU, but we know how powerful she is in terms of altering reality and stuff. So that all makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, I'm just the the love and attention it, it was giving and showing to 1950s sitcoms. Uh, yeah really stood out to me i I thought it was it it was cool just because it was different um the critics also got the third episode on their Mm -hmm. screeners and apparently we get more into what the plot of this nine episode season will be in that but i i don't i don't care if it's like a kind of light on story i just like that it's a different flair because as we all know the mcu is often quite homogenous so anything that kind of breaks the wheel a little bit is cool with me 
Yeah, definitely. And even speaking about like the care that they put into it, um, they even like shot the first two in like the old four three yeah aspect ratio of like the old sitcoms, which is pretty neat. And um, you know, I I think. I totally agree with your point. It's a good one that these are two characters that were totally underserved. And to be honest, like Vision just never was one that stood out to me. It's kind of hard to connect with this like robot who is like learning how to love, you know, in a lot of ways we would be mocking this if it was Westworld in a sense. It just wasn't like played up as like the the central theme of these movies. But, um, you know, I I, kind of like that they put them in this world where Vision has to not be Vision the mm-hmm. most times so you get to see actual paul bettany just yeah. being handsome and charming which is cool um they'll make him sit in the makeup chair every time that's right. nice of them yeah and and they're they're you know they're making it kitschy enough and, and goofy enough where you're kind of just like going along with like the the stupidness of the plots um while also i think tying in a couple of things where you're like what's what's the bigger thing at play like you have like the guy in the beekeeper outfit at the end of the second episode or you know how they kind of rewind and wanda hears someone saying wanda who's doing this to you um in a voice so there's there's enough things here to keep it like interesting and intriguing and going back to the idea of like the weirdness i mean you think about like even the the phase three and like the second half of it when we finally get a doctor strange movie right and um i guess maybe that's at the beginning of phase three now i'm thinking about it but people really 16 whatever the fuck it was yeah so people (laughs) really i think liked that doctor strange was had all these weird visuals and this trippiness and oh yes and like i'm a big fan of that one yeah and you think about even infinity war like one of the best scenes is when thanos they're trying to get thanos's glove off and strange does all of his weird like chakra shit it's just really cool visuals so the more that they're just like leaning into this like uniqueness and weirdness especially as the superheroes are becoming a little bit more niche and and not as well known in this upcoming phase i think that's just going to allow them to keep trying things and uh really making these homages to these tv genres so right. or in these movie genres as well so i'm i'm all for it i'm really excited to see the third episode see where this goes um and anything about the episodes that really stood out like any scenes or moments for you uh no i mean i i appreciate like the laugh track humor they had going mm-hmm. on again because it's you know familiar like the old old school sitcoms um i like Catherine hans presence early on as the nosy neighbor yeah for MCU people, apparently, um, adult Monica Rambeau from Captain Marvel will be popping up. Again, I don't, I don't really care about the MCU tissue. It's kind of tissue so much. And like, that was one thing when I saw the trailer. Like, there's a moment in the trailer where like they're being chased by like soldiers or like tanks or something. I'm like, oh wow, that just looks quite generic. I, I don't need this. Just let's just mm-hmm. let's keep it in their minds. I, you know, let's let's keep it going weird. So. I think inevitably we're going to start to see the seams crack, you know, it'll eventually go all full color, but um, like, like a lot of MCU stuff, there seems to be a lot of attention given to the choices. So it should be still pleasant. So curious. Yeah. I'm with you. And any theories on like what's going on? No, no theory yeah. at all. I don't know. Maybe it's like some Truman show shit, I guess. I don't know. Like yeah, that. my my initial theory was this was like us experiencing Wanda having like a psychotic break due to like the grief yeah. of Vision's death. But, you know, hearing who's doing this to you, obviously, it seems like there might be like a villain 
that right. we come to see at play. I did think the voice that was saying like, who's doing this to you sounded a bit like uh, Chris Evans. So I'm wondering if, you know, especially cause he's rumored to be signing on to play Captain America again, some things maybe he'll be tied in some way, but uh, that might've just been hopefulness on my part. So, yeah. Um, you know, we're a, a lot to come. We'll be talking about it as it wraps up, but drop us your thoughts in the comments below. Any, uh, any last thoughts on this before we jump to some movies? Uh, I think, you know, I think some people may still not know this, but Marvel obviously has made TV shows before, but that was under the old system where Marvel television was separate from Marvel studios. Now Marvel television is no more. And the TV is also made by Marvel studios and under the purview of Kevin Feige. So, uh, and obviously we know about a myriad MCU shows forthcoming as outlined by the Disney investor day. So cool to see them, uh, continue their takeover i suppose so we'll, we'll see how how the product turns out you know definitely seven more weeks uh marvel is a, a can't can't miss right now so they keep the run going and uh we also are going to be talking about some can't miss movies i think and news of the world is the first one we're going to jump into the uh the tom hanks movie i guess i'm just gonna say it's a paul greengrass directed film but i mean this is really tom hanks showing out i think making a, another run at a potential oscar here um and we'll talk a little bit more about this but basically um tom hanks plays this retired uh captain from the uh confederate infantry which is an interesting mm -hmm. piece of this um who now is just traveling around from town to town um reading newspapers from around the country people telling stories making money off this um you know it's uh i i think in some ways i found this to be a a super uh i don't want to even say like fun because i didn't find much fun about it but it felt kind of like uh you know it went from like uh high point to high point to high point what where mm -hmm. the there's just like father-daughter relationship at the middle of this um you know tom hanks comes across um joanna the character's yeah. uh, given name um but cicada is the um name given to her by the native americans who take her in this orphan girl who's native american tribe and prior to that her her parents were killed and he's kind of tasked with reuniting her with her aunt and uncle who will take her in so um there's this journey where there's all these adventures, but in this really sweet relationship at the middle of it. Um, I guess just to maybe start saying, setting the conversation, did you enjoy the movie? Did you find this to be a movie you would go back to? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a little straightforward, but it's, you know, it's an on the road Western. It's a familiar, you know, genre trapping. We, we understand, we understand what this is and when it's done well, it's uh quite enjoyable especially when you have someone like tom hanks in the lead so yeah no i i, I liked it a lot i thought it was pretty i thought it was quite good you know i mean going in you, you know i think a lot of people know how this movie's held for the end of the year you know vying for oscars and i think as a movie like maybe it sneaks in the best picture um it's in like the greater mix anyway but like clearly like that was really just reserved for like the tom hanks performance but it's really Hanks just doing old Hanks again. It's not that different from like Captain Phillips Hanks or Sully yep. Hanks. Captain Phillips also Paul Greengrass, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it's uh, it's it's just I think it's just well made, well made yeah. on the road western. So it's enjoyable. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's the piece that probably stuck with me the most is just it's really solid overall whether it's the cinematography you have these really sweeping landscapes of uh you know i think they're supposed to be in texas or traveling through the south texas Uh, post-war so like 1860 late 1860s um so you have these really beautiful just like sweeping shots of you know rolling hills and mountains Mm -hmm. valleys deserts um i i think it's uh, the action scenes, uh, you know, something with Paul Greengrass, you kind of expect the action yeah, scenes to be really well cam. done, right? Um, you know, you known known or probably best known for the Bourne movie. So yes. if he's not making quality action scenes, there's something wrong. Um, <laughs> but then also, I think like the way that the relationship between Cicada and the captain grows uh, makes a lot of sense, and I think he hits all those emotional points. Maybe not to the the degree that um, some dramatic movies do. Like I, I didn't find myself like tearing up or really being choked up by this, no. but um, I definitely was rooting for Hanks to come around and, and, you know, take the kid on. And, um, you know, I, I overall just incredibly solid, but I don't think this is a film that I'm going to look back on for this year and be like, news of the world is one you have to see. If that makes sense. I don't know if there's anything that, it was like superb or exceptional about the movie. Did you feel like there's anything like that? Yeah. I think that's a thing too. Cause like dramatically that's probably where it's like slightly weaker. I mean, and like I, I just have some quibbles about that. So I think early on when he encounters the kid, it's like, Oh, well look at that. Tom Hanks burying the lynched black man. He might've fought for the Confederates, but he's a good dude. I'm like, right. yeah, miss me with that shit please and it's surprisingly <laughs> there's very little mention of black people the rest of the way unsurprisingly i should say as a guy anyway um uh, but the, there's they talk about mexicans quite a bit right like um, nate there's also like not a huge native american character presence i was no. more surprised i would have liked them to actually interact more they're just kind of on the periphery and i think you know then like that scene in the uh, in the rain early on when like they're across like the gorge and you see them just kind of traveling mm-hmm. like oh wow that's kind of like a haunting scene as you realize the girl is she she's by all intents and purposes a native american that is what she knows that is the culture she is a part of and like that that's that's pretty heartbreaking but yeah. i would have liked to see more of that native american culture i kind of contrast this movie with uh hostels which came out a few years mm. back when uh christian bale just because that's a movie where you have west studio and adam beach to like the goat native american actors actually like being big parts of the film you know in this the natives are just kind of on the side even though johanna cicada is literally speaking kiowa right like Mm -hmm. she doesn't even know english you know i I thought that was a, a weird choice maybe that's from the book i don't know um i did find a big part of it pressing though uh sorry a prescient though we like if you think about the beats of the film, we have, after that like mountain chase and shootout, the next like set piece would be when they get encountered when they go to that new county and they kind of get like he Hanks gets forced to like read the the propaganda news by like mm-hmm. the the businessman who kind of runs that like outpost yeah. town, and I'm like, oh, the. Uh, <laughs> It's a little on the nose. Yeah, it's a little on sure. the nose about the uh, the character and uh, the the self adulation. Literally and, uh, being could... screamed at as the media to read the fake news was yeah. 
quite just like shoving it down our throats. Yeah, and I was like, again, I don't know how much that's from the book, but either way, it's like, okay, well, we know exactly what that's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially like, because then the story that he reads that whips everybody up is about people like fighting back against like yeah. the man. So I was just like, boy, this is this is handfisted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And like the way that resolves too, you have it was John Colley, who's like, I guess he was just kind of wrapped up in Tom's Hank's storytelling, uh, Kyle Kidd's storytelling. So he uh, kills the other dude and makes his way on with his life. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that, to be honest. But we kept it moving, and it was it was well done. But I, like that scene, like I initially, I was like, I, I had like way more dread. I thought this was gonna be like these, like this is like some bandit people, you know? And like yeah. you see on the side, like oh, like they're kind of like slaughtering buffalo, and they seem to have a certain uh, particular way about how they're operating on the west. They mentioned how they pushed out the Mexicans and the natives, mm-hmm. right? And yet, it still kind of like lacked the punch I expected. Like this movie never gets nearly as dark as I thought it would, given again, pretty grim times. Well, and uh, you know, I, I, as I was kind of thinking about why this movie didn't hit for me more, and you you kind of touched on this at the beginning, this character is a very like Tom Hanksy character, and he really kind of plays, I feel like, similar roles a lot of the time. And I'm almost wondering if, like, for me, I just have a little bit of like that tom hanks fatigue like i guess the only movie i can think of recently where he didn't play like you know a, a even if if not like a complicated man just like a straight up good person or a complicated man who's turned good in some way is sure. the circle where he's like a villain and in that movie it was a total flop and his that performances wasn't <laughs> didn't work so it's like maybe maybe the tom hanks of it all is just where uh you know it doesn't hit the same way it did back in the nineties, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. It's really just the choices because apart from a beautiful day in the neighborhood where at least like the Fred Rogers impersonation requires you to do little different things, mm-hmm. but like news of the world, Greyhound from last year, uh, the post mm-hmm. Sully, Captain Phillips, like bridge of spies. It, it's the same stuff. Yeah. And again, it's not the biggest deal because Tom Hanks is old. Tom Hanks mm-hmm. is certified after the nineties. It doesn't oh, really matter. Totally. So he's just doing what he wants. And I guess what he wants is to do the same thing in different ways, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, right. The rest I of the movie's well made enough that I don't mind that much. I think he's comfortable. He's, he's established as like a brand, so to speak. And I think he just wants to keep, to keep in that lane. So good for him. But I think that that does in some way kind of cap, the the movie season in a sense um but uh any last thoughts on this before we jump into maybe a movie i'm a little more excited to talk about like the movie we're about to discuss news of the world as a universal release got to us on vod 17 days after theatrical release that would have been christmas day for that and the universal is the only distributor to be doing this kind of hybrid model at this time Keep an eye on that. See how this continues. Um, I know. I mean, thinking about it, don't you think News of the World would have been better served with a day and date VOD release around the holidays when more people were around? Like, this definitely feels like a dad movie. Like, I know my dad wants to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wonder if they missed their moment by waiting to the kind of nondescript time of Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, which I think in COVID doesn't feel like any other weekend, right? So, like. <laughs> 
I, I don't know how many people put this on their calendar because I think the average person doesn't know that you can rent this 17 days later, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And that's a, a good point that I think if they had even done it that between that week or like, you know, like dropping it right before the new year or something like that, they would have gotten a lot more buzz than now. It just felt like it just kind of dropped and came and went in a sense. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But uh, another movie that also dropped is A Promising Young Woman from Emerald Fennel, who's probably best known for show running um, Killing Eve season two. Correct. Um, which we, we talked about. And you can go check out our review on that. YouTube.com slash. Not the biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tough act to follow. And I would say season two is better than season three. So that's true. There's that. Give, give you that. <laughs> And um, I think Emerald Fennell in general, if you look at her, her CV, she's also an actor as well. Seems to be a pretty uh, talented person who's tried a lot of different things and directing. Uh, it's just a piece of that. Totally. And, uh, you know, I think similarly to Killing Eve, where you're really focused on, I guess, two women in that. This is a, a movie that's totally focused on one person. And the movie is carried by the performance of Carrie Mulligan, I'd say, um, who, you know, I I think had a bit of like a slow rise, but once she actually like, I think caught fire is now just like totally in fuego. Um, you know, we talked about Mudbound, Wildlife, um, mm-hmm. which she was great in. I mean, Great Gatsby is probably where people first saw her, you know, in popular, but- um, Don't forget uh, the short uh, UK Netflix series, Collateral. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, she's just been really, really good in, in a lot of things in the past decade. And- um a rising star how did you i mean first how did you feel about the movie but then mostly how did you feel about mulligan's performance yeah i I really liked the movie a lot you know going into this movie which played back at sundance 2020 was supposed to come out in the theaters april 2020 knowing the subject matter i remember seeing this trailer in the theater yeah over a year ago i've never seen it like oh that looks that looks cool that looks like it's definitely trying stuff you know i appreciate this happy to see it um it was not i I don't think it's nearly as like polarizing as i was led on to believe like it has a lot of style and um is well made but and i think this is actually being echoed by other people i find this movie quite agreeable like i think a lot of people are, are are finding that out too um but Carrie Mulligan, yeah, she, she's excellent in this. Um, after Frances McDormand, Viola Davis, and probably Vanessa Kirby as well, it feels like Carrie Mulligan's pretty safe for Best Actress at the Oscars this Definitely. year. Yeah, yes. I think it's well well earned. She carries this movie. Yeah, and from what I remember about the polarization of it, it's you know, I guess maybe just to give people a quick synopsis, it's basically this woman who uh, seems to be depressed, seems to not really be like making much of her life after having potentially a, uh, you know, medical career ahead of her. Um, and you kind of see her going about these, I don't know, catfishing excursions where she'll go yeah. to a club, fake drunk, have some dirt bag, bring her home. And then when they're about to sexually assault her, she'll like turn the tables on them and make them feel really uncomfortable. And I think that was the thing that people found to be potentially controversial, you know, this catfishing and yeah. Uh, ethics and all that stuff you know yeah of, of the interaction um whereas really the furthest she takes it in any of these cases is like scaring someone that their daughter might have been sexually assaulted even though they really didn't uh yes, have to anyone right. do that but um i think more you know more so she's doing these things as a way to get revenge for 
something that happened to her friend where her friend was sec- publicly sexually assaulted um, and then the friend subsequently killed herself as a result of um, psychological yeah. effects from that assault. So um, I didn't find the movie to be uh, controversial at all to me. I, I actually thought it was pretty thoughtful and thought provoking in a lot of ways. And again, like you said, Mulligan is just incredible in this, you know, she's really, I think towing this line between being this obviously depressed and like working through something uh, character who then at the same time is able to go and be super intimidating and like kind of terrifying at times um, in terms of how she like, just like flip the tables and like push these guys to like really examine themselves and how terrible they are. It's just really impressive. Sure. Yeah. For me, I I think like plot wise, it was actually more straightforward than I expected, but I really Mm -hmm. didn't mind because I think the, uh, like the overall presence and all the acting, like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop with Bo and Burnham's character. I was kind of expecting the very ending with like the, you know, letter shows up in the mail and like the the text messages go out like i was expecting that kind of stuff to happen because i just didn't see this movie going to like the truly dark place Uh Uh, it might have been hinting at uh when what happens to uh mulligan's character happens and maybe that's that's a choice that if had been done the movie makes it actually even stronger if it actually ended on an even darker note than it does and like it's it's a black comedy because this is still really heavy stuff and quite depressing mm-hmm. but i i appreciated how um kind of how rhythmic it was again even if the plot was a little straightforward um yeah and like i i think you know like the supporting cast a lot of like small guest roles all like re- really well done like i thought christopher mintz plassey is one of the dirtbag guys mm-hmm. excellent choice sam richardson same way yeah <laughs> sam richardson probably had my favorite line uh, for meta reasons but when he's like you're not even that hot Some shades of normal people with daisy edgar jones where it's like how anyone would ever say carrie mulligan uh isn't that, that hot. hot especially when dressed the way she was in that scene i'm like god that that, that is pure fantasy like that, that that's the most unbelievable part about the movie to me yeah well it, uh, it's unbelievable unless you know <laughs> like dirt bags like that and yeah, i do have course. to say like the the casting for like the douchebag guys was just like chef's kiss you know <laughs> in a lot of ways like adam brody um mm-hmm. you know who famously played seth on the oc is who's kind of like the nice guy to like ryan's like bad boy but seth yeah. i think is a character that probably had some problems and wasn't kind of max greenfield from new girl yep uh, chris lowell from glow, glow. Yep. um it, just great and then i it's uh, also kind of interesting to have Connie Britton, right, playing this, like, dean of students at the college who uh, overlooked this character, uh, this uh, friend's sexual assault, didn't even remember the name of the of the girl and right. um, how disgusting it is. Whereas, you know, Connie Britton on Friday Night Lights plays Tammy Taylor, who's, like, the perfect, like, mom and everybody wishes they had a mom who was, like, that engaged, that loving, but firm and, like, it's just kind of funny to like flip these people who we know from all these places and kind of putting them in these roles where you're like, Oh, um, now they're just playing complete assholes. Um, Alison Brie also kind of was, was in that in between, although we've seen Alison Brie, I think in more complex roles than just being like a, a good person, so to speak. So um, any scenes or, or moments that totally stood out to you? Yeah. Well, I think like 
early on when you're seeing like what the notebook means and like Mulligan's uh like scheme. Cassie's scheme mm-hmm. about like what she's doing like that's all like really fun and stuff but I think one of the I think most important scenes is when she encounters Alfred Molina's lawyer character mm-hmm. and who who someone who's like, covering up and fighting against uh people that made these accusations of basically defending men accused of yep. uh, sexual assault and he actually expresses like real remorse basically from the jump yet Cassie doesn't feel any better upon encountering that, right? Like, it, like everything to that point, she's almost like getting off, if, at least temporarily, on exposing people and perhaps at least temporarily shaming them or maybe changing their behavior. But when she encounters that lawyer who knows how fucked up what he, his history was, you know, different than how the dean was acting, and like it, it doesn't give her any solace at all. And I think that's where the movie kind of turns and you realize that, like, she she is just kind of on this dark path so mm-hmm. i think that was important for the movie to like kind of progress yeah i i totally agree it's um i i think it's just a really well-made movie i think it, it's funny uh looking through like the producer list margot robbie is like the high profile name on there and i i got like some birds of prey vibes at times from this not necessarily mm-hmm. like the the goofiness but i think like sure. the color palette you know especially when she like dresses up as like the nurse who goes to like do be the dancer for like the bachelor party when she gets murdered yeah. um that had very strong like uh birds of prey harley quinn type vibes to me so i think it's it, it's playing on a lot of um you know, it, it's it's at least exposing a lot of complex issues in, in really interesting ways, and I think definitely a movie that I would say I, we haven't seen a lot of movies I would compare to it. So no. that's always interesting. If anything, you should compare it to I May Destroy You on HBO, which yeah, in um Good on one. COVID times they would have been released much closer together. But mm-hmm. you know, I was I was trying to look for some more negativity about the movie as on Letterbox, and I saw some comments about how it's kind of like post me Too commodification of me too by like you know left-wing people and just espousing these ideals and stuff but i feel like because promising young woman still kind of goes about in a dark way and it's still quite psychological mm. i didn't really find it like in that exploitative way i think i may destroy you by the nature of being tv show by the nature of like michaela cole's like enrapturing creation and, and existence within that show um that's ex- on a higher level as a result it was our best show of the year after all in 2020 but for a movie like you know limited runtime i think this still gets out like gets out a lot of stuff and as far as movies concerned like you said there's not really much that's attempted to do anything like this yeah no i i totally agree um to two i guess one quick observation and then i want to just ask where we're at with the award stuff for this uh bo burnham six five dude's huge i did that um, google too i was like is he taller than me Shit. well it, you know and it, it's funny because especially in the scene where like they're all in the coffee shop it's uh carrie mulligan bo burnham and laverne cox and laverne cox i think is like uh like six footer maybe a little taller too mm-hmm. uh i was like is carrie mulligan just super short like i just wasn't sure but she's five seven like she's yeah very average size for a woman i think tall for an actress you know so sure. It's uh, it's interesting to see that, but um, awards for this. I mean, I think we both agree Mulligan will probably 
be on the yeah. short list for the uh, actress best actress nom movie do you think the movie could garner some uh buzz for a best picture nom i think so it's by no means a lock because it, it's definitely not a greater mix like there's movies like this and soul and news of the world and some late coming movies we haven't seen yet like choosing and the black messiah like it feels like there's a lot of movies that we're, we're kind of pegging for those last few spots yep and this is definitely one of those so way too early to say for sure um i also think original screenplay it's probably yeah. this movie's future that would be i think quite just i agree with those um i don't think fennel will get an, a director nom but I, I think just getting that screenplay could be big for her as well yeah. um you mentioned Judas and the black messiah which we will be reviewing a bit earlier than it will be dropping um i went back and watched the trailer this weekend just because I'm, I'm super hyped for that can't wait oh, to yeah. see that um any last thoughts before we wrap up for the day, Dave? Uh, I hope people find find this movie again. Yeah. Like News of the World, I just don't know if this is a a drop that has been eventized properly by Universal uh, mm-hmm. by nature of it just being a POV thing. Then again, given that the Oscars are still three months away, damn near every Oscar contender is available at this point with like mm-hmm. three or four exceptions. So Maybe people would just kind of seek this out in the months to come. I guess there's no rush. So hopefully hope so. hopefully with some more nominations for the movie and like Mulligan, that'll let find let, let lead more people to seeing this. I certainly hope so. Me too. Um what should the people be watching or consuming for next week? So we got a few things for next week. We got the other Euphoria one off special on HBO. This one around Hunter Schaefer's Jules character. Uh we'll be talking about uh one of the new 2021 tv hits of the year lupin french netflix show with omar sai and there's also a uh, notable film finally getting to vod that would be the climb from sony pictures classic a movie that was acclaimed back at con 2019 and then was in the theaters this fall but it's finally on the internet for most people to finally see so happy to talk about that one if you want to follow along with us next week hit that subscribe on soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod or youtube.com slash nostalgiapod and uh, give us that follow on twitter at while as well at nostalgiapod and we'll see you next week peace out